River Rock has been a leader of the cannabis community since 2009. What stood out to me mostly was definitely the quality of their product and the knowledge of their product. The way that they treat each individual person always with respect and they try to make sure that your needs are taken care of. That was Michelle. She's been a medical patient at River Rock for seven years now. Like she mentioned, the employees at River Rock always have their recreational and medical customers in mind, especially with pricing and two convenient locations both open until 10 p.m. River Rock's quality with their prices is pretty much unmatched. River Rock caters to their medical customers by providing exclusive benefits when they become a member, including $100 in-store credit, 25% off all full-priced items, and so much more. The sign-over benefits have been great for me personally, especially since I live on a limited budget. The sign-over benefits have helped me to get medication that I normally wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Find out more about the sign-over benefits and why people like Michelle have stayed with River Rock for this long at riverrockcolorado.com. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast. Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens down here at Sports Column right across the street from Coors Field. Uh, But it's not about baseball today, and it's really not even about football. It's about basketball. March Madness in full swing. Packed house, honestly, here uh, at the Sports Column and, you know, buzzer beaters and all that stuff. It's it's a good time. What are you saying, Ron? I can't can't even hear you down here. I know. It's pretty loud. Uh, And so make sure you come check out Sports Column. They have an insane deal on Thursdays. Like, if you are one of those people who says Thursdays are the new Fridays, then Sports Column has to be your spot. From 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., Zach, $1 drafts and wells, domestic drafts and wells, $2 Colorado microbrews, $3 U-Collins. You've got to be kidding me. You want a pregame. I mean, that's, like, cheaper than it would be just at your house. Oh, yeah. And it, anything you want, pretty much. And you're right down here in the heart of it. And you can scooter over here like I did if, <laughs> if you're feeling adventurous. And you had quite the time getting over here. Yeah. Were, I mean, avoiding potholes. You were doing the whole thing. Yeah, my scooter died. It, it was still fun, though. It was, <laughs> it's all about the adventure. Well, before we jump into the show, I wanted to give a birthday shout-out to the OG MVP, Aaron Litvak. And as a special gift to him and a surprise to you guys, we actually have him. Right here on the show. How are you doing, Aaron? Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I just want to start off and say this is probably like every fan's dream is basically being on the show. Because like when I was in China, for sure, that's what I was basically picturing. Like I'd be sitting on the bus pretending to have these like real conversations with you guys. So I'm sure our friends in Australia and all over the world are thinking the same exact things. Yes, your dreams can come true. (laughs) Well, happy birthday to you, man. And uh, we wanted to bring you on here for a little, as we've done in the past with subscribers who came to hang out with us uh, at these remote locations. Um, So, 
we wanted to give you the opportunity. Do you want to ask any questions right. live and in person? First thing I feel like you're missing out is on this whole cereal genre of peanut butter. Like, but missing out, you were talking about Captain Crunch yesterday, leaving out peanut butter crunch, and then you also got the uh, peanut butter, or the Reese's. Are you Reese's, talking about the Reese's? The, oh. Reese's you peanut butter. You want to talk about cereal. What, what is that called? Reese's peanut butter balls or something like that. Puffs. Reese's peanut butter puffs. That sounds about that right. That sounds right, actually. Reese's puffs. Reese's puffs. They're just called go. Reese's puffs. <laughs> Those are fire. Loved them back in the day. I mean, they have that coating on the outside. I think it's it's, it's a little it's funky. Like, it is, but it keeps the milk from permeating. <laughs> and Zach's shaking his head like he's never had it. What? It, no, of course I've never had this cereal. <laughs> what is this film? I imagine we're talking like a, uh, a the circular balls. I've seen I've seen the picture, but the film. I mean, Why if are you it, calling it a film? Because you now you're making it, it you sound You said gross. it was a film. If, if you said like a chocolate coating, I'm like, okay, I get that. And it makes sense. Did I it say film? Mil- you said film. Is that the word I used? <laughs> I think I said coating. Okay, that's no, that's no better. <laughs> film sounds like something that would be on like a stagnant pond. It, it, it reminds me of like a plastic thing. <laughs> you know, you just eat that. You have to open the plastic. I think it has some peanut butter flavoring to it, if that makes you feel any better. It's like a peanut butter powder. I, I love peanut butter. In cereal, though? Yep. Peanut butter on everything. Peanut, peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Peanut butter cereal. Peanut butter and the protein shake. So you said PB&J. There's got to be a PB&J cereal, right? Not that I know Whoa, of. don't give me that cringe look when you just said PB&J no, I was for just, everything. No, I was giving you a, eh, <laughs> not that I know of. I thought, I thought that was going to make you the most excited of anything today, including the March Madness. I actually once had a peanut butter and jelly ice cream cone at like an like one of those places that mixes it up. It was like strawberry ice cream with peanut butter ice cream oh. like mixed together. Peanut butter ice cream. What do you mean, bro? <laughs> That's a classic. It is not. A, it, I, I guarantee you they don't sell it at the grocery store. I, I'll take that bet a hundred <laughs> times out of a hundred. Peanut butter ice cream? Yeah. Yeah, no. What, what's the bet? It's not there. Peanut butter, okay, you're going to go place a peanut butter ice cream in a grocery store. Yeah, I I think I can find it. I guess I'll eat peanut butter ice cream. They have it. All right, deal. All right, so, Aaron, that was a great point. What other questions (laughs) do you have? Getting past our food conversation for the moment. Um, The biggest one, I thought these kind of two questions I had going together in my mind. So with this, besides quarterback, is there another position that gives you the best opportunity to win? Like, I think about it, and I was thinking about our draft that we're going to be getting here, and we're in a win-now state. So it's like, does a wide receiver, does a you know, tight end really give us that much more advantage other than another position? So besides quarterback, which position really gives us the best opportunity to win? For me, there's a pyramid. And the top of the pyramid is quarterback, and nothing can come close to that. The second stage of the pyramid has guys who protect the quarterback, guys who try to kill the quarterback. And clearly the Broncos have one of those locked in. The other one is a question mark. Below that, you have corners and, uh, and wide receivers. And then below that, and, and tight ends kind of go into that mix, I think. And then below that, you have running backs, safeties, and linebackers. Yes, yes, there is a position. And if we're talking position groups, you start from the inside out. You start offensive line, defensive line. If you're talking one position, though, look no further than Super Bowl 50 with Von Miller. I mean, 
yes, it was a great defensive performance, but there was one guy at the helm of that, and that just tore the Patriots apart, tore Cam Newton apart, and, and led the Broncos there. So, yeah, if, if you're looking at one person now, that doesn't happen every other year where a pass rusher uh, wins a Super Bowl on his back. But if that's one position, then there you go. The one thing I'll say in uh, just debating that from the sense of it's not equal to the quarterback is it's a dependent position. So for Von Miller to have success, you still need all these other guys. And quarterback is slightly dependent on offensive line as well. But just quarterback's the only you know position where, and I know you know this, Zach, but quarterback's the only position where you're going to be able to control the entire game with with no real variables. Oh, when I say that, it is it is a sliver compared to what quarterback is, and and it can't take over games on its own uh, most of the time, but it can occasionally. So if that's the case, I mean, it should scream to us at number ten, or even if we move back, that we gotta get offensive line or defensive line. I know that's a deep defensive line class, but you get one of these top tier guys and plug them in there. You're you're now talking about just one more piece that really should be able to complement everything in a sense yes um i think in my opinion ed oliver might have i mean zach used the word dangerous he instantly makes the broncos defense more dangerous um it's you still have that scary hole in terms of the way vic fangio wants to work with his linebackers uh but we we always talk about value in these positions and Linebacker, as much as we've pumped it up and as much as I especially have hitched my wagon to those guys, linebacker is not one of those value positions for the exact reasons we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, you can get a guy free agency who can basically come in and rack up 10 tackles in a game one time. I mean, it doesn't really take too much at that position sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if, it, if we weren't talking about Vic Fangio here, I would be saying the Broncos don't have a hole at linebacker. But he not only said they have one, he said they had two. I just think Ed Oliver is going to be such a still. It just amazes me still that he went from being like the number one guy to now dropping down to. I've seen even upwards to like the 20s that it's just blowing my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, what else you got for us? Um, all right, the second thing is just looking at our coaching staff, how many more wins do you think that really gives to the team? I mean, we had kind of that young trying out group the last couple of years with uh, the first year. Uh, and now with a veteran staff, hopefully that can kind of turn it around and, you know, produce those wins that we've been needing. How many wins? So we're not talking like you have to take Joe Flacco and all those guys, or, or is it just how much have they improved this offseason? Yeah, so with just looking at, you know, the upgrade at Fangio, with Fangio and Munchak, I mean, I feel like those two coaches right there should really be able to kind of uh, put you over the edge of that five, six wins that we've been sitting at right now. All right, so I guess to simplify the question is, what would the record have been last year with this coaching staff? Hmm, I would say it would have tipped the scales of five to six wins. Seven? I mean, two, I guess last year, six and ten. Boy, it's really hard to say more than two. I mean, maybe 500? Yeah, I was going to say two. Um, but it's it's so hard to quantify, and as we talked about a million times, you're not going to win without a quarterback. But we know we can know we can name one game specifically that Vance Joseph lost 100% his fault. Not 100% his fault, but 
they would have won if, if the decision-making would have been better. And then just think about this. The defense actually played really well last year, and I don't think Vance and Joe Woods got enough credit for that. But the offensive line, if you have Mike Munchak in there and that just makes Case Keenum that much better, you got it. I mean, that's at least one game, but it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's how many games would the Patriots win if they didn't have Tom Brady in the past? They've done okay without Tom Brady, which just points to how powerful Bill Belichick is. He's worth, you know, way more than two games. But it's hard to just say any other coach is that valuable. Yeah, I think I think we'll stick with two there. I think if this coaching staff coached last year's team, they have been 500. Okay. I, I got about two more for us here. Um, so my position now question is on the nose tackle. And now that we've let Pecco go, now I'm not saying Pecco can't come back because it doesn't look like he's finding much love, and Denver might still show him that there for a good well, deal. I caught that and threw <laughs> much love in there. Um, but anyways – is Shelby Harris the replacement? Is that Kerr the replacement? Is it a combination of both? Or do you think that they still might go out and try to get that you know, traditional nose tackle guy? I, go ahead, Zach. You've got, to, you've got to do something with that position because Shelby Harris isn't the answer. He can fill in there on third downs, but first and second down when you need a big body in there, that's, that's when you need the Zach Kerr types. Zach Kerr is certainly a guy that's going to fill some of that hole. But you need to go out and you need to get another guy. Uh, you had two last year with Zacher and Dolmatai. You need one more now. And the great thing about that position is as much as inside linebacker is undervalued, the nose tackle is even less valued. So you can get not necessarily an instant starter in the fourth round, but you can get a good player uh, on, the, on day three of the draft. Just got to an, inside in, an inside tip from another one of our listeners here, Luis, who's uh, hanging out. He said... Um, Pecco isn't chasing money because uh, you can – what's that new – what's the app called? That Cameo app. Have you seen that? Never. It's the app where you can, like, get someone to um, give, like, a shout-out to your – to someone. yeah, like, a personalized message. So, like, I could get um, Emmanuel Sanders to say, like, happy birthday, Aaron, uh, and it would cost, like, a, like 100 bucks or something. Wow. But clearly Domita Pecco is not chasing the money because, as Luis just told us, He's on there for $2. <laughs> no way. <laughs> wow. Chasing bargains out here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to have I'm going to get Pecco to send me something. Man. I mean just it, a, it'll just be a soundbite for this pod that will just play over and over. For 2 again. bucks. That's the best investment we've made. For 2 bucks we can have him say we can, ha- we can have just him exit the end of the podcast by just saying, much love, BSN Broncos listeners. Just a much love clip. That's all you need from him. Maybe a little Shaka action. Uh, but to answer your question, I think Zach Kerr is going to be the guy as it stands right now. Um, you can get creative and, make, and move guys around, like you said, with Shelby Harris. Still feels like they need to find someone. Maybe they go later in, in the late rounds of the drafts and grab a guy who you know played at a smaller school but is big. I mean, Javier Edwards is coming out of CU, and he is a big boy. He's a big boy. Uh, so if you just need someone to stick in there. What are we talking? I think when he came to CU, he was like 350. Ooh. 390. Sorry. I meant, I, when he came to CU, he was 390. Now he's down to 330. Out of high school? This kid was No, three? Juco. Oh, Juco. Okay, okay. Makes a little more sense. And they call him – actually, he calls himself Big Sexy. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, so y- there are guys out there who are just huge. 
if you need him to come in there and just plug a hole on first and second down and just get in the way, you can find guys like that. Okay. All right, and then the next question here is what kind of jump should we expect from our receiving core? I mean, I know that we still talk about bringing in someone in the draft. You guys have really hit on Andy Isabella as a big, big, big name that we should focus on. Um, but even then, when you're bringing in a guy in the draft, you're still looking at maybe at number three at best at our re receiver core. So that still says that they believe Cortland can at least be that number two, that Deshaun has a big role, and maybe even Tim Patrick hopefully can get a few more snaps. I think you'll see solid improvement. The biggest thing you see with rookie wide receivers in the NFL is inability to create separation over, you know, guy over – cornerbacks that they've never seen and you know skill levels that they've never seen you know you walk in and suddenly undrafted Bryce Callahan is just locking you down and you're like wow this it was never like this in college so that's something that I'm sure they'll work on something that they'll learn and I think you'll see especially Deshaun Hamilton figure it out a little bit more in terms of how to get open but if you have Emmanuel healthy and you have Cortland take a step forward and you have Deshaun take a step forward and you throw in a guy like Andy Isabella or Penny Hart in the fifth, you're going to see a jump. You're going to see a big jump from these guys. If they go and get Andy Isabella, oh, man, how exciting would this be? It would just help everyone. Yeah, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call him like a three. No. He's just a 2A. Yeah, and you said, Ryan, one of the things you said was the ability to create separation, and I think Deshaun Hamilton will, will take a big step up in doing that, but... It's not Cortland's game. It's not Cortland's game. What happens if Emmanuel, that's what he's not able to do as well when he comes back? And, and that's probably my biggest concern. I'm not concerned Emmanuel's not going to be able to run or that he's not going to be fast. Is he probably going to lose a little something? Sure. I mean, he's also a year older, too, on top of the Achilles. But the ability to create separation for him is, is I mean, he's masterful at that. If he's not able to do that, then just as much as the second-year guys take a step up, him not being able to do that maybe neutralizes the group yeah but I think if he's going to lose anything it would be straight line speed um the ability to create separation and it's one of the reasons why rookies have such a problem with it is it's a craft and so unless he doesn't trust that Achilles which very much could happen and that could affect that he, he's I don't think he's going to lose the craft and you know it's just it's moving the shoulders you know or moving the head without moving the shoulders and in so many little things to kind of trick the corners I think he'll be okay in terms of that what I would be worried about is, is he, st is he still a deep threat? Uh, and if not, then you're going to have to rely on Cortland to be a different type of deep threat. Yeah, and I think bringing in Joe Flacco also just opens up a whole can of worms for the wide receivers to just have more opportunity. And, you know, honestly, your guys' predictions about Cortland last year, I think you talked about maybe 500 yards is an exceptional season. And, you know, he's, he hit that mark, basically. And he put up a solid amount of touchdowns for a rookie. So... The fact that we now have Flacco, who is, I feel like, one of the masters in the NFL at lobbing that ball, putting that arc on it, I think that just gives Cortland exactly what he needs, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him with double-digit touchdowns. That would be huge. I mean, the, the leader on the Broncos last year had four, <laughs> and that was Emmanuel and Cortland tied. So it, it, it's been since Peyton that there was a double-digit touchdown receiver on this team, but, he, I mean, he certainly has the talent. How many times did we say, like, just cross the 40 and throw one up for Cortland? And every time they did it, it seemed to work. Right now, Ryan, who do you think is going to lead the team in receiving touchdowns? Touchdowns, I would I would bank on Cortland. To me, it's easy. It's it's Cortland. Yeah. Uh, yards, though, I would probably go Emmanuel still. Even right now. 
even right now. I mean, the fact that they're still riding with him, most likely, tells me that they be- they believe in his recovery. They certainly didn't believe in Matt Paradis' recovery. Is it good news or bad news if Cortland leads the team in receiving yards? From right now, that's all you know. Tell me the number. No, you don't get a number. <laughs> uh, then it's bad news. Okay. If he told me it was over 1,000 yards, I'm going to say that's great news. Right. Uh, but if he leads the team with, you know, 780, yeah. then you have big problems. Like last year. Exactly. Right. All right. What do you, what's the last question here? Um, maybe more of an idea for a future pod because I feel like this one could be a little bit longer. So I know as an average fan here, I don't necessarily understand all the salary cap stuff. And you guys have talked about the, like, voodoo magic that they can do behind the books basically to, like, shift money around in 12 different ways plus. So... I think maybe a future podcast, you guys could maybe dive into what exactly the salary cap and how maybe they look at those numbers come along. If we're going to do that, I'd rather just beg to have Mike Sullivan as a guest on this podcast because I don't understand the voodoo magic either. Now, I know uh, things can be tricky trying to get people on here, but do you think that would actually be a possibility? Like, how, what would they actually say to you if you're like, we want to get him on the podcast? Like, how often does they often, like, really get that request? There's part of me that says because they don't ever get that request, they might just ask him, and if he says he's down, and then he'll do it. There's another part of me that says they'll just say like, "Oh, that type of we don't uh, those type of people don't talk to the media." Period. Exactly. And if they if they've never talked to the media, they don't want to open them up to that can of worms. Which you can understand. I can understand. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he, you know, there a lot of coaches don't even like their assistants. Like obviously the coordinators. Um, the Pro Football Writers Association has it so that the coordinators have to speak once a week. A lot of coaches are not okay with their assistant coaches talking to the media because they're not trained to talk to the media, media and they don't want them to say the opposite of what they said on the podium. <laughs> and that happens, trust me. And we would love that. We, yes, we would. <laughs> because the head coaches, I mean, when you hear the difference of becoming a, from a, being a coordinator to a head coach, one of the things that a head coach always says is I had no idea about the media obligations. The media, the media. It's a big deal. So for these guys that never talk to them. I think it's garbage. <laughs> they make it a big deal, They though. do make it a big deal. And I realize every moment of the day is meaningful to a coach. But it's like 10 minutes tops. Yeah. And I think having someone like Sullivan, right? What's up? Sullivan. Yeah, I think having someone like him on here, you just say, hey, we're just talking pure structure. Just inform our fans how this works. We're not even going to go into specific details about things. I mean, I think that'd be kind of a cool idea, maybe, if you guys get a slump here. As journalists, you don't like um, selling off your questions, but it is a good idea. Saying, like, <laughs> don't worry, we won't ask you anything good. Uh, but it would, ma- I mean, it would be great to just have them say, like, when, like, when we look at it and we see there's $30 million in cap space and then you go out and spend 50-something million dollars, like, how does that work? What, what, what were we missing before that happened? When you have $30 million of cap space, how much do you actually have? He'd probably just be like, as much as I need. As much as number seven wants. As much as John <laughs> tells me I have to have. All right, is that, is that it? All right, well, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. It's a happy birthday. I hope you enjoyed your uh, little cameo here. Yeah, this has definitely been exciting to kind of just sit and hang out with you guys again. So always a pleasure to be in and send my questions in. Not from China anymore, from Missouri or misery, whatever you want to call it. But uh, (laughs) definitely love coming back to the Mile High City and getting an opportunity to meet up with you guys.
Thanks, man. That was Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. Happy birthday, Aaron. All right, Zach. Well, what else do we got here to, uh, to talk about? Some big news today, Ryan. The Broncos re-signed quarterback Kevin Hogan. Groundbreaking. Huge, right? I mean, it's quarterback news left and right. Honestly, though, you can read into this. Hmm. In which way? Does this, does this mean that they're not in play for a quarterback now, Ryan? Well, let me, let me ask you, is, are the numbers out? One year. One year what? No money. No, One no year money for yet. free. <laughs> yeah. It's a cameo. One year, $2. Exactly. Um, I would I, imagine vet mem, so under $2 million. Isn't this, again, them going into the draft, not feeling like they have to desperately grab a quarterback somewhere? Well, and you look, they, had, they were in conversations with Blake Bortles earlier this week about potentially bringing him in as a backup. Uh, Blaine Gabbard, I believe, signed somewhere else. So these backup quarterbacks, these veteran quarterbacks, are going off the board. So do you want to be in there in the third day of the draft and saying, we have to take a quarterback, even if we don't like this guy? Because, come on, we can't have either Garrett Grayson or an undrafted rookie be our backup. We can't do that. So absolutely, it is plugging a hole. Right. And to me, it also kind of says they're not, they're not drafting a quarterback no, at 10. No, 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 no. Yesterday, if I would have told you, is re-signing Kevin Hogan eliminate the Broncos from drafting a quarterback at 10? What would you have said? Eliminate is a very strong word. Isn't that what you pretty much just said? I said it kind of <laughs> takes 10 off the board a little bit. <laughs> if yesterday sure. I was at 20%, now I'm down to 17. 3%? I would be at, uh, if I was at 20% yesterday, I'd be at 199 today. Okay, well... <laughs> Either way, to me, to me, I, th- I just think, remember, this is a two-quarterback team, but I'm sure they didn't commit enough money to Kevin Hogan to the point where they feel like, you know, they can't cut him. No. Um, this was kind of like a, well, let's keep him around just in case type of thing. So it's it's not that it, per- it precludes them from drafting a quarterback. I just think John Elway is thinking, like, I'm going into this draft. I'm not forcing any picks. I'm not going to, you know, go after quarterback if I don't have to. And unless the quarterback there at 10 is someone I love and was the number one player on our board at that time, then I'm definitely not going there either. If that's fully the case where he's signing Kevin Hogan for that reason, then he has to go sign an inside linebacker. He has to go sign one before the draft because right now you can look at every position and say, sure, maybe a small need here, big need here. There's a massive need at inside linebacker. So is it just the pick can we can we write it in i don't know i mean i think that's why they're talking about darren lee uh you know it's part of the the strategy of this offseason going into the draft was fill as many holes as you possibly can and and that's always the strategy but i just like if if this was not john elway the gm i would be saying it's over signed sealed delivered which one whatever devin's there at 10 that's who it is but I just can never get over the fact that John Elway, like I always want to say John Elway hates inside linebackers. It's not really that that stark. It's it's John Elway doesn't believe it's a value position, which most people don't. And he isn't he isn't he's never shown us that he wants to spend high draft capital or money on the position. The and highest linebacker he's ever drafted was Josie Jewell last year. And then of course on the flip side you have Vic Fangio, number eight overall last year. He goes Roquan Smith as a defensive coordinator 
he was able to convince his new head coach, who is an offensive guy, Matt Nagy, and their organization to go defense with Roquan. So we know he's had a little more of a say this year with John. I mean, that, that would obviously be the reason why, and it'll, it really would be incredible, and it would show how much, maybe not authority John's given up to Vic, but just how much respect he has for him and how much he's willing to give him the tools that he needs and listen to him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. All right, Zach, why don't we take a break here, and when we come back, uh, we got plenty more Broncos talk to get to for here from the sports column. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Rolling along here on a Thursday edition of the BSN Broncos podcast, coming to you from the sports column in the midst of a big-time March Madness party down here. We are only seven hours away from 10 p.m. when when the drink specials uh, kick into gear, and you can get those $1 wells. You should just stay here until 10 p.m. and Think then really cash time. in. Think about this. You, you know, you, you, uh, you had a great day in the, in the bracket. You want to go. You want to celebrate. You could literally just come here and just say, and just say I'm going to order six shots of tequila. <laughs> you pay $6, and now, you, you know, you're feeling great. Incredible. That, that is, and, then, and then you're ready to watch the end of the, those games. Exactly. It's going to be a great night down here at the Sports Column. Oh, yeah. And it's a great day already. So thanks to the Sports Column for hosting us uh, and for the great food. Um, I had the wings for the first time here, and I told you guys before before I ordered them, I always got to taste the hottest wings. I always order the hot wings and then get a side of the hottest sauce. I got respect for them because not only was their sauce really hot, the, the extra hot, it was also really tasty. Like it was like a creamy habanero sort of style. Yeah, it was sweet. That's or it, it was a light color, which is yes. dangerous when a spicy thing is a light color. Right. You it usually want it to me. like scare you. <laughs> yeah. The habaneros are like beautifully exactly. bright. Exactly. Yeah. Nice orange. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, great stuff. We got to get to the question of the week, which is fittingly presented by Sports Column. So, Zach, uh, why don't you let us know what it was? What's your favorite off-season move by the Broncos? You guys love the off-season moves. Apparently, we have so many responses. First one coming in from Kyle Warner says, coaching, Munchak, and player is Callahan. So uh, split the difference, offensive line and defense. Yeah, good stuff there. My favorite move 
was that they added a door from the press room into the room where we do the podcast. And so we don't have to ask for permission from someone that has full access to the building to get into the room where we do the podcast. Have you confirmed if, if they've closed the other door, if that's now a wall? or? I do not know. I don't either. But it's called the network room, and we are a network. So that room is for we us. We certainly are. So happy about that. Next one coming in from Michael. He says, hashtag Flacco fever. Okay. I like that. Jacob chimes in and says, Munchak. I think we're going to have a lot of Munchaks. Munchak was a, a sneaky move because no uh, no one was thinking of it. No one was thinking like, oh, you can go out and get the one of the best offensive line coaches in the world to come into your team. Like, it wasn't an option unless you made him the head coach. Yeah, and Lou says, in order, one, Callahan, two, Fangio and Munchak, three, Jackson, four, Flacco, five, James. I think I'm seeing a theme in terms of value. They got Mike Munchak at a value. They got Bryce Callahan at a value, and people are loving those moves so far. Next one coming in from Lauren. She says, Fangio, I don't think the current culture shift happens without him. Yeah, I mean, they need to have a culture shift. It's up to him to administer it. We can't say it's happening yet, though, can we, Zach? A culture shift? Yeah, is there a... Has happened? Can you, can you, have you noticed anything that has said a culture shift has already happened? Without the players in the building, it's hard. But, boy, if they draft an inside linebacker, there's been a huge shift in the building. That's very true. But not a culture shift yet. And that's why you need the players in the building. Right. Once they get in there, which scarily is coming up in, like, a week and a half now, uh, once they get in there, we'll really know. And, of course, the, the players are going to feed us a whole bunch of lip service about how things are different now and practices have a different tone. And you, can, you always have to take that with a grain of salt. But there are certain things that you can see and, and read and learn, and obviously we'll bring that to this podcast. Tyler Kincaid goes, the best offseason move is Elway moving in on guys he wants and signing them, not sitting on his hands and waiting for the draft to improve. Do you think John Elway has been sitting on his hands during free agency <laughs> the last couple of years? Yeah, intentionally? Yeah, no way. The crazy thing, you want to talk about shift. The shift is that the coaching staff is now desirable for players. That's a shift. I mean, a seismic shift. You go from a coaching staff that really just didn't have any credence, like it didn't have any uh, rep around the league. Now all of a sudden you have the best defensive coordinator. You've got guys like Bryce Callahan saying, you know, it was easy for me to just choose at Denver. Then you've got all, you know, John James saying he wants to come in and work with Mike Munchak. All of these things, like, that would never happen. We, we, we already went over this. We couldn't come up with one coach who, who uh, a player would have said, I came here for that coach. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how they've already had their impact. They've helped Elway so much already. Next one coming in from Derek Wolf. I mean, Colin Anderson. It says, picking up the options on Emmanuel Sanders and Derek Wolf. Hashtag DefWoo. Wow, thanks for reaching out, Derek. Uh, love that you listen to the show. Yeah, and Nick, a nickname Colin Anderson there. Next one from Eamon Badwin says, No fly zone 2.0 and Fangio's ability to bang on the table for his direction. So according to Eamon, there's already been the culture shift. In the front office? Up top. I mean, you could probably sell me on a culture shift up top. I think it starts with what we just talked about, with Fangio kind of uh, empowering Elway to go out and get guys because of his allure, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but but I can buy 
I can buy that there, you know, there's something changing up top and, and Elway's having a different approach. Next one from Zane Womack says, does hiring Van- Fangio count, if not Callahan? Yeah, it counts. It absolutely counts big counts. time. In fact, if Fangio turns out to be the guy that I think a lot of people think he can be a- across the league and especially in that, that building, that probably ends up being the biggest upgrade of the offseason. There's no question because who's going to have a longer impact, Juwan James or Vic Fangio? You hope it's Vic Fangio. Exactly. Joey Kennedy chimes in and says, the hiring of Fangio is the key offseason move for me. This this was a signal to me that Elway was not afraid to a much-needed, complete overhaul of the staff that was ineffective in developing our younger guys. So, I mean, he's, he's talking about the future, when these guys get on the field and what development and, and improvements he can have with them. Next one from Do You Like Dags? Don Fangio. I mean, the Don. we just have so many coaching ones here. Justin Brill chimes in and says, coaching changes. We know what Fangio and Munchak can do and can be excited about the potential to turn around the offensive line and bring in back the no-fly zone. Scangarello is a bit of an unknown, but I'm optimistic. And I think that's a fair way to feel about uh, Scangarello. Christian Conway, landing Munchak and Fangio. Swafford chimes in, new coaching staff. I mean, I feel like we can just keep going through the list. Yeah, I mean... Clearly, that's the thing that people were most dissatisfied with last year, right? And now you take that and you upgrade it a little bit. People are going to be excited. My question for you, who are you more excited about, Joe Flacco or Rich Scangarello? Hmm. One's, one's such an unknown and the other's a very known. Oh, man. I would say, oh, man, Joe Flacco because the system John was going to get this system no matter where he went the quarterback it was unknown who it was going to be but John's talked about this system since the first day he was he was looking for a coaching staff um, so I think they could have gone a few different ways to get that and boy that's an interesting question what about you I say Flacco and it's uh, the reason I brought it up is because everyone's saying coaching staff coaching staff coaching staff not a lot of people came in and said Flacco but when I told you that coach that that Vic Fangio could end up being the biggest upgrade over what they had last year. I, I, in my mind, I was thinking, but it could also be Flacco. You got poor quarterback play last year. I mean, poor quarterback play, piss poor quarterback play. You have a chance now to get legit quarterback play and quarterback play that can that can give you an opportunity to compete and make the playoffs. So I just I feel like that of all the ones, this is being the one that's most overlooked because. Honestly, because of, like, meme culture and the fact that, uh, you know, Flacco's become easy to hate on. Yeah. Then, look, if you get 27 touchdowns to 12 interceptions like he had back when he was in this system, that's, that's going a deal breaker. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's more than a two-game improvement, like we said maybe the coaching staff is worth. Yeah, and that's, so I just bring it up because I think it could go from being the one that's not really being brought up a lot here to the one at the end of the season where everyone says, wow, that was the best move of the offseason. Next one coming in from Ryan Clayman says, Callahan and Jackson, a.k.a. the no-fly zone 2.0, got some help for Chris. Mark S. chimes in and says, reloading the secondary with Jackson and especially Callahan. This ensures that Chris will have the support he needs. Vaughn and Chubb will hopefully have more time to get opposing quarterbacks. Went from being an area of real concern to an area of strength heading into the draft. Broncos cast chimes in and says Jackson um, adds to this secondary 
uh, and uh, Callahan as well. Huge win in the final one, Ryan, coming in from Jetty Joseph, says Bryce Callahan. So we end off with some secondary players. Isn't it funny how the Broncos, clearly with their pocketbook, said that Bryce Callahan is the better – or that uh, Kareem Jackson is the better signing, but most fans believe that Bryce Callahan is the better signing? I wonder if fans are going off value. I mean, we talked about Bryce Callahan more than any other defensive player going into free agency. So who do you like between those two? Callahan. Just straight up? Yeah, straight up. And um, then and then you take a $4 million discount. Also, the thing that, you know, and, and it wasn't even talked about in Andre's um, film room, is Callahan is a slot. He is a slot corner, period, end of story. Chris Harris Jr. is playing on the outside now, like exclusively. You know who loves that? Chris Harris Jr. Exactly. Exactly. He he asked for that last year, and Joe Wood said, we're going to play him where we want to play him. Now Vic Fangio is going to be able to say to, what, his second-best defensive player, I'm going to make you happy. You can stay on the outside. Uh, that's going to make him very, very happy. And I'll bet you'll see his numbers in terms of interceptions and pass breakups and all that stuff go up, and that's going to make him really happy. Well, and on top of that, you have Kareem Jackson on the other side, so teams will have to look Chris's way, and then that, that'll create more opportunity. You assume that there's going to be a, a very big increase in terms of interceptions on the back end with, those, with that group. And with the Vaughn and Chubb coming off the edge, making quarterbacks throw it. Throw Ed Oliver in there. Oh, stop. Danger danger all right we got any more on this all done there should we hop into the questions from the from the other listeners that aren't here today yeah let's hit the questions we'll get a few in uh and then, and then take our last break first one from sutton 14 thomas 87 says connecting two threads that have been presented been presented on the pod the hall of fame game and the talk of whether fangio will be in the booth presents an opportunity it was mentioned earlier that fangio uh that he would feel feel out the booth versus the sideline in the preseason. Luckily, the Broncos get something 30 other NFL teams don't, a fifth preseason game. Normally, the impacts of the preseason are overblown. That was illustrated in depth under the last last regime, if that wasn't clear. In this instance, though, you have to test an organizational and operational challenges unique to the Broncos and Fangio. Whether Fangio or Donatello is in the booth, it will still depend demand prompt and effective communication if Donatell is relaying looks from above and Fangio is calling the defense. Will Denver take this 25% larger sample size of games to experiment? Do you foresee these unique circumstances leading to a question of Fangio during his next media availability? Sutton 14 Thomas 87 clearly wants us to ask this question to, uh, to Vic. Well, we've talked about this before. This is a fifth game. This, this is a great opportunity for Vic Fangio to have a full sample size going into the season. And like you said earlier, the last time we talked about this, let's do it the first three preseason games, and if he absolutely hates it being down on the field, then you get two to figure out the, the balance of what it would look like from him up in the booth. Now, I'm just of the belief that the Broncos aren't forward-thinking enough to make the booth an option. But if they were to, this is a huge advantage uh, because Vic Fangio can really give it a chance. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to uh, have Vic in the booth one game, him down on the sideline the next, him up in the booth the next. They're going to try him on the sidelines. And if it doesn't work on the sidelines, what they're going to do is, is then they'll put him in the booth and make sure that everything works there. It's not going to be trying him one way. It's going to be, let's see if he can make it work on the sideline. If not, we'll put him back up there. 
Thomas uh, Sutton 14, Thomas 87 finishes and says, finally, what is the dynamic of the Hall of Fame game? Typically, games one and two lead to an increase in starter reps until the dress rehearsal third game, with the fourth game being a look at the bubble guys. Is that Hall of Fame game just a zero that comes before the one, or does it change how teams view the preseason as a whole? Thanks, Rockstars. It's essentially game four 2.0. You might see the starters for a drive at most. So that kind of takes a little of excitement out of it. But I also think it kind of gives... Um, you know, a guy, whoever's going to be this year's River Craycraft, who can pick up some momentum in the preseason, it gives that guy a chance to jump on the radar early uh, and really prolong, you know, his hype train, if you will. So uh, it's a, it's way better for them, and the coaches love it. The starters, they're not going to care at all. <laughs> I got. They're cheering for you, Ryan. They want to hear your question. Uh, from Jack Double Magnum. After last season, with Keenum going through this offseason, I was 100% on the find the QB of the future ASAP train. But the more time goes on, the more it has started to lose its momentum. After listening to all your guys' pods and realizing that the QB options for us at 10 really aren't the greatest, I'm really starting to lean towards Devin White or TJ Hawkinson at 10, and if neither is there, trade down. My question is, if White and Hawkinson are both gone by 10, what would be your your move if you're Elway? A, draft a quarterback, B, draft the best O-line prospect available, or C, trade down? I don't know if there's an O-line candidate other than Jonah Williams that I'd take at 10, though. Thanks, guys. You're my podcast every morning on the way to work. LOL. I always show up hungry as you know what, though. <laughs> Man, in the mornings, you're thinking about some dinner food, too, listening to this pod. So, Ryan... If it's me, sticking with quarterback because you got to find that guy in the future. Especially, I mean, it's difficult if uh, if depending on who's there. If Dwayne Haskins falls, man, that's going to be tough. But John, he's not going to draft a quarterback there. Um, I think I think he really wants to trade down, and I think that's a reason why they're bringing in these quarterbacks right now is to build the hype up for that number ten pick. Because what do you say at the combine? It takes two to tango. It takes two to trade down, which tells me. He wants to trade down. He wants to he wants to find that partner and building that buzz for the 10 pick, maybe for Washington, so he can move five spots back. I'm taking option D, which wasn't an option here, and I'll take Devin Bush. <laughs> Not an option. I'll take either one of those guys. Uh, I guess I, I thought both of the Devins were gone. It was Hawkinson and White. In if the- both of the Devins are gone, someone great is going to be available uh, because Bush was originally a late first-round pick. He's- no, no, no. Ryan, three options here. Quarterback? Offensive line or trade down? I guess trade down. <laughs> I'm not taking a quarterback. I'm trying to win right now. That's what John's thinking, that's for sure. Next one coming in from Mile High Cat Lady. She says, if we're making a dark horse pick of the day, mine has to go to the Golden Grams for the best cereal. It's not too sweet, and it holds up great in milk. Honestly, though, nothing stresses me out more than standing in the cereal aisle and having to limit myself to a couple boxes. They are all so good. Man, I'll tell you what, Mile High Cat Lady, the cereal aisle is probably the most daunting aisle to be in because it's just, it takes up the whole aisle. It does. Golden Grams are a solid pick. They really do hold up well in the milk. What are the one, is it, are they called Corn Pops? Is that mm, what it is? Yeah. Those ones, man, those are sweet, but they, I, had a, I had a time with them when I was real young. Man, those, those get a fun texture in the milk if you don't wait too long, too. Yeah, those do. Those will, those will, what's the other one? Is it They're called squishy. Sugar Crisps? 
Never heard of that. Is, like it, is that just literally sugar <laughs> that is that is cooked? I, I'm trying to remember what they're called. I think they are called. That they can't be right. <laughs> but they're like little brown, um, crisp. They kind of look like corn pops, but but they're is it corn pops. You think in Golden Grams? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron was saying they're caramely, which is uh, sugar snacks. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, get your cold snacks at night and your sugar snacks in the morning. Yeah, exactly. She, she comes in and says, as for the Broncos, I've seen a lot of mock drafts that had Ed Oliver falling anywhere between 13 to 18. What are the chances we can trade back and still get him? If we can get a more dangerous player than Devin White and also grab another pick or two, that would be a massive win. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? To me, if Ed Oliver's there and he's your guy, even if he's projected to go between 13 and 18, don't trade back. Don't mess around with that. Don't even trade with the Dolphins who are at 13. Just pick him up. I think Ed Oliver is their guy um, in a, like, if it, if he falls to us scenario. I think that could be, he, he I think he could be one guy where they say if he's there, we're staying no matter what. How much, how much is he their guy? If Devin Bush is there, who do they choose? Ed Oliver. If Devin White is there, who do they choose? Ed Oliver. So he really would be their guy. Yeah, I think, I, I just, I don't know why, I just have a vibe on that. Someone asked me, remember, and they said, like, uh, you always have a vibe on the pick. As it stands right now, and actually for, like, the last couple of weeks, I've just been getting, I've just been feeling Ed Oliver. He was, he was my pick at the very, very start of this process. Once we moved off quarterback, he's dangerous, Ryan, and if you add that, it's probably more potent than adding a Devin White or a Devin Bush. Next one coming in from Bronco Duck says, Drinking the milk after eating the cereal? Never. There is nothing worse than seeing the gross, backwashed-looking milk at the end of your breakfast. Dumping it out is the only option. Additionally, hearing people slurp the milk after eating the cereal is disgusting. Come on, guys. You disappoint me. Not No actual question, just the truth. Zach... We've had some pretty bad takes come in on this podcast. <laughs> this is unequivocally what? the worst take in the history of the BSN Broncos podcast. It's not even close. It blows everything away. I've seen even a documentary where someone has literally made almost their career off of cereal milk. Like this chef in New York, I'm pretty sure, uh, she has like a, she's a pastry chef. And that's her like thing. You were talking about ice cream the other day with the cereal milk. It's, that's what she does. And you can actually bottle it up and she bottles the milk basically and sells it out that way. So like, I'm sorry they don't like it, but a lot of people do. Yeah. Sorry, Bronco Duck. You have to uh, delete your subscription, delete your Twitter. <laughs> Here's what, never you comment again. here's what you have to do, Bronco Duck. Don't look at it as gross, backwashed-looking milk. What you have to do is look at it as melted ice cream because that's pretty much what it tastes like. So go in there and try, try it off with a, a very sweet um, uh, cereal, and then you, there's no way you're going to look at it as backwashed milk. Also, like I'm not a heathen. I don't slurp my milk. <laughs> he also chimes in and says, I would rather eat Zach's chickpea cereal for a week than drink one bowl of cereal bathwater. Think of all the milk you've wasted, man. There are children that could, in, 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 in all over the world that would want that milk, and you're just pouring it down the drain. Just think of how much stronger your bones would be after that. Mr. Freeze chimes into that and says, I think you might be the only person in the world who doesn't enjoy the milk from cereal. They even make bowls for kids with a straw built in to drink the milk. 
Mr. Freeze also chimes in on this topic and says, Grape nuts go well in yogurt. Totally changes up the texture. I can actually understand that. I, I kind of get a granola cereal to put in my yogurt, so I get that. Does I get granola that. Ca- does yogurt and granola, would that go in the same category as cereal? Wow. Like a thicker? No. Different. I think it's in this. I th- what? Where it just goes on its own? Here's the thing. Does yogurt soak in the granola flavor? No. Does milk soak in the cereal flavor? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> he also says, if you're into healthy cereals, I suggest Kashi's Heart to Heart, Oat Flakes, and Blueberry Clusters. The worst cereal to let sit is definitely Cocoa Pebbles or Fruity Pebbles. They get soggy almost immediately. I can't even get on the Mac Wilson train because he's the he's the guy D Mac wants to go for in the second round. Ah, they should call him Mac Truck Wilson because he's slow to accelerate. Huh. We'll dive into this next week, Ryan. Did uh did a, did a lot of digging on Mac Wilson last night, so I hope you do your homework over the weekend. What kind of digging are you talking about? Just everyone saying he's a three-down player that can hit sideline to sideline as athletic as, as as you ever need on the field. So I don't know what you want in a linebacker. I want speed. Yeah. What do you want speed for? For getting to spots. To go sideline to sideline, right? To hit everywhere. To be able to hit the right sideline, the left sideline, to hit the line of scrimmage, to blitz, to do everything, right? What, what, what more could you want the speed for? People are wrong. They're not, he's not in the same category as those other two guys. How good is John Ross? Not very good. Because he's got the speed. Might as well put him at inside linebacker. Yeah. I According mean, to you. You could. <laughs> You're getting too caught up on one crazy number. It's because here's crazy. the thing. The threshold. I also looked at this. I found many things that said the threshold for an inside linebacker is 475. I, that is not. That doesn't apply to Vic Fangio. What are you talking about? Vic Fangio has a different standard than your standard for so, the. So what the, do you want? I want 451. Or less. <laughs> Why? Just have four, five, one. Because what I want is a football player. I want a football player. Are you telling me Devin White and Devin Bush aren't football players? No, but I want a football player, and those guys are football players. Yes. I want a guy that's going to be able to get to everywhere on the field. And you right. know, you know you what? You just want Mac football Wilson, players. I want good football players, better football players. Mac Wilson can do that. So Not what? So at what, the level of those guys, though. What's your solution? Because you just told me. You already have Todd Davis. Why would you want another one? He's not Todd Davis. You just told me. If you, if Ed Oliver's on the board, you're picking him. No, you're I'm p- saying they would pick him. So then what's, what's their answer at inside linebacker? Figure it out, I guess. Figure it out in the second round with Mac Wilson, with the next best thing there. I don't know what you have against this guy. Uh, he's just, he's <laughs> the same as the other two guys they have. He is not. You think, you honestly think Mac Wilson is just as good, or is just his ceiling, and, he, and he's just as good as Josie Jewell and Todd Davis. I think you're crazy. Uh, yeah. You're crazy. I think if you had a, if he ends up having a career like Todd Davis, that would be a solid oh career. Oh my gosh. You're insulting everyone. Todd Davis is a multi-year <laughs> starter. He got a solid contract. He is a serviceable player at the position. I think that's what Mac will I don't think Mac Wilson is a game changer. I think Devin White and Devin Bush are game changers. Wow. You got He's you, also surrounded by like 27 draft picks out there. How are you going to figure out how good he actually is? So you, so you're, you're John Elway's belief. If he wears that crimson tide, you are not drafting him. I'll take Quentin Williams. Here's the thing about about Mac Wilson too, and why there actually could be a realistic possibility of the Broncos going after him. John Elway doesn't like Alabama guys because they're worked too hard. 
Mac Wilson only only started 17 games, so he actually wasn't worked as hard, wasn't a four-year guy like some of these Bama guys are. Yeah, for sure, and, and I brought that up the first time we talked about Mac Wilson. My thing is just if you're trying to get a very specific type of linebacker, he is not that type. He is, though, Ryan. He is, though. Uh, he is. You have to watch the tape and, and just 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 watch watch him. He's a playmaker. All right, I'll and watch. Then also, I'll watch more this weekend. And then I'll I'll send you, I'll send you the notes I found too. All right, I. To me, he is a. He might be a little more athletic. He might be you know uh, a little better in coverage. He is not a, a speedy linebacker. You can you just can't call him a speedy linebacker. <laughs> but here's the thing: is I'm He's not a saying. He's no, he's not. He's an athletic. He can thumper. get. He can get every. <laughs> so you're saying you want a guy that can make it everywhere? I call that athleticism, and then you call him athletic. No, I'm saying like he can <laughs> jump around and you know do all those other things that they love down at Alabama. But and if you if you compared him to those three guys, he is the worst of the three. And you're also drafting him a full round later. Okay, but I'm just saying, do you want the best players or do you want to fill the holes? You're getting a darn good – you're getting an instant starter, a three-down player. I mean, that's what he is. He's a three-down player. We'll Isn't see. that what you want? We'll see. We'll see what happens <laughs> to him in the NFL. We'll see. Because I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he will be a good player somewhere. He just doesn't fit Vic Fangio's scheme. He does. He does. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, was there, Oh, there's more serial takes for Mr. Freeze. Or I think I think we hit all. Oh, and then he says his final one is who's your guys' pick to win the NCAA tournament? My bracket says Kentucky. I got North Carolina. Come on, guys, don't make this too easy for me. I got Duke. I have the team that's going to win. Here's the thing, and, and I told Zach this the other day. My strategy is is never to pick the team that everyone thinks is going to win, because then, especially with the way these scoring systems work. Then you, if that person wins, you had to have the best overall bracket out of everyone across the board that picked Duke. I'd rather just pick North Carolina, who not, who is a number one seed, but not a lot of people are picking, because if they pull it off, then you know I could I could be trailing by 300 points going into the, the championship. So that's why I picked them. But here's the thing: is this year Duke has the highest odds of winning in the history of March Madness. So you're just putting yourself in a hole. But again, te- that, they also have the highest of any of the percentage of people that chose them to win. And if you don't choose them and they win, then you're just hosed. So that, that's why I picked them. What's going on over there? Belmont, I mean, everyone's standing in here. Belmont and Maryland are going down to the wire here. Uh, it is 76-73 Maryland with just under two minutes left. Man, what was the game earlier today where the, the final 12 seconds took about 15 minutes? Yeah, New Mexico State versus Auburn. That was, that was something else. So anyways, I don't care if, I mean, the year that, remember the year that Kentucky went undefeated in the, and into the bracket? Yep. Well, I chose Duke that year. You know who won the championship? Duke. There you I go. I made some good money off of it. <laughs> Next one coming in from Carrick's 4 He says, hey, guys, I love the idea of getting Haskins or Lock at 10, and while I think it's ridiculously optimistic, I can see a way that it would work with Flacco if somehow one of them is available at 10. So how would you feel about this? First, you restructure Joe Flacco's contract. I'm not sure what Joe would be looking for, but maybe something like four years, $76 million with $45 million guaranteed. 
This would show Joe you believe in him and you're committed for him for about three years. You then tell Joe this is a future move and if he's still playing well at a high level and wants to continue playing, they're willing to trade his quarterback for a draft pick. This is the only way I can see them taking a quarterback without Joe Flacco losing all faith in the organization, while it, which would make sense this season, which, which would make this season a disaster. I'm going to stop you. That, make, that can't make sense. That can't work because if you are drafting a quarterback, Joe Flacco isn't your guy for the future, and the, 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 uh, um, the flexibility you have there with his contract is the best part of why you have him, right? Because now you have Drew Locke, and he's in the building, and you know the second that Drew Locke is ready, you're kicking Joe Flacco to the curb. Not to mention, if you, you, you can't guarantee money to Joe Flacco across three years because then if he plays all three of those years, then you, only get one, then you have to pick up your fifth-year option on this quarterback before you've even seen him start. If you want Joe Flacco to be your answer at quarterback, you offer him a four-year, $76 million extension with $45 million guaranteed. Not if you draft a quarterback. That is a contract that I think Joe Flacco would accept right now. Four years, $76 million, 45 guaranteed. Right now he's scheduled to make $18.5 million this year. That contract would pay him 19. So, no, that, that doesn't make sense. And you can't really worry about making Joe Flacco upset. If quarterback is your pick at 10, you do it, and you deal with the repercussions later. If that's cutting him because he, he totally loses it, well, then that's what you do. If uh, if he just has a, a bad attitude, well, you put up with that because he's not your future, so it doesn't really matter as much anymore. Exactly. I, I read ahead here, and I, I already started laughing at this comment from Seth M. Wait, let's, let me finish with Carrick's really quick. Says, uh. Sorry to go off topic by not mentioning anything about food, but I'll try the Cinnamon Life cereal and report back. Thanks, as always, for the great work, RK and Zach. This is easily my favorite food podcast, and there's something pretty great Broncos stuff sprinkled sprinkled in in here. All right, well, Seth has a hilarious comment, but we're going to do it after I tell you about our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is game-changing coffee. It's CBD-enriched, and it's really changed lives. Their their reviews are incredible, so check them out. What you'll find out is that it's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. Whatever you're dealing with, you name it, you'll probably find a review that says it's helped with it. CBD is an all-natural and non-psychoactive ingredient, and the coffee's rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, so Seth, he of the Grape Nuts take, (laughs) chimes in here, and he says, As I said, the Grape Nuts take was an unpopular opinion. However, I was laughing my head off while listening to that. Hashtag anything but a seven-minute soak. (laughs) (laughs) Seven-minute soaks. Apparently, uh, Sports Column's a big fan of seven-minute soaks, Ryan. Big fan of Belmont, <laughs> apparently, as they've just brought this game within one, under a minute left. It, I, I, at least you guys know we weren't lying to you about it, being, about it popping <laughs> off over here. Anyway, Seth M. says, I'm about to attend CU Denver for a second degree in nursing, so maybe after my time there, I'll hate grape nuts. Hey, you're, be- you're becoming an honorary buff, which makes you better in my mind. <laughs> goes on the cereal that gets soggy the quickest is original cheerios or fruity pebbles i was uh, always a cocoa pebble guy myself uh, yeah he goes on are we, oh i just remembered one that we've been forgetting that's amazing 
Rice Krispies. Oh, of course. Of course. Also, Chex. That's a classic. I'm a yeah. big, uh, big fan of Chex. That's a snack. Big fan. You need, like, the salted Chex that you eat with your hands. Yeah, th that's, that's work. You got to do a lot of work to that. Or what is it, the muddy mix when, che like, you put, yeah, you put muddy chocolate? Buddies. Yeah, Chex are just a poor man's life. Or a healthier life, Ryan. What? What makes it healthier? No sugar. There's no added. There's no well, sugar. No wonder granules. it's so poor. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, he goes on. Are we all just going to ignore how good the original Honey Bunches of Oats is? Mm. Come for the football, stay for the food takes. Hey, I like that. Yeah, Honey Bunches of Oats really good. Also, you can do the, cl the, the all the variations of it. The clusters, whatever yeah. they are. Yeah. Good stuff. Killer. All right, next one here is from OJF. Listened to a few pods and felt inclined to subscribe for all the content. Really impressed so far. Thank you very much. As a fan in the UK, I've been following along since 2013, so there's been some good seasons and some not-so-good seasons. My question isn't too pertinent to any of the discussions you've had before, but I was wondering about your thoughts on games played in England, whether it's an advantage or whether you would like to see Denver over here again. P.S. A Cheeky Nando's is a British Twitter meme which basically made fun of people who tweeted it sincerely often using this emoji he gives the uh, aok -okay sign ah so the aok -okay is, is a cheeky nando emoji there oh man this what's going on give me an update all right we've got uh 12 seconds here counting down belmont with a chance for the win drives left he stays he's looking for a man he's got a backdoor cut <laughs> it's stolen by maryland and they're fouled, and they're going to have a chance to seal this one I out. honestly can't even tell you what I couldn't hear you. I couldn't. It sounded like good play-by-play, -play, though. Uh, Maryland has the ball now, Zach, with three seconds left, a chance to go up three. Oh, I don't like to hear that. I had Belmont as my upset pick. Uh, so in this, what did we have here? Thoughts on playing in England. I don't know if this is – I have no idea if this is popular or unpopular. I really don't like it. I don't like the England games from when it's your team playing in it and you're watching that. I don't like it because I think the vibe is totally thrown off. It doesn't feel like an NFL game, uh, and that, that's what you're tuning in for. Uh, it does seem like there, there's a lot of fans there for that specific team, so that's cool, but it's way different than having 76,000 rocking at Mile High Stadium. I have two takes on this. One, I'm really appreciative of it because we have a lot of subscribers from over there, and I don't think many of them would be fans of the game or as big of fans of the game to subscribe to this website if it weren't for those games. So for that, I'm thankful. But? But <laughs> I'm not a fan of any neutral, sport, neutral site sporting events ever, really. Exactly. Uh, except for the Super Bowl. Like, that should be at a neutral site. So really quick, we're watching March Madness. What do you think of that? I think you could, there's a better way to do it. Um, I like the way the NIT does it. Higher seeds gets home games. Now, maybe in the Sweet 16 or maybe Elite 8 on, you could go uh, into you know the, the neutral sites. It's also a huge advantage, and it's probably a reason why we see so many uh, of these upsets. Because you know if Belmont right now was playing at the University of Maryland Stadium, it'd be a sellout. They'd be against all odds. So I, I get it from that perspective. I just... I hate when there's no like there's a better atmosphere in sports column right now than there is inside that stadium. Could you imagine if all of these games, most of them are close, were in uh, in one of these team stadiums? How crazy that would be! The energy that would be there, and that's why I, I'm not against international games in football. 
if the Jaguars move to England, I'm all for that because they'll have a fan base that, that'll be rocking. It's, it's just a neutral stadium. It just It's a different feel. And that's not what the NFL is. The NFL is pretty much always electric, I guess, unless you're in Jacksonville. Yeah, and then, like, for the championship game, they have it in, like, Jerry World. And everyone's a mile away from the court looking down at ants on the floor. Yeah. Like, put that in the Pepsi Center. That would be awesome. 18,000 people compared to 100,000 Yeah, it's people. all about money in the end. Exactly. All right, moving on here from Threat Level Midnight. Hey, guys. I'm in no way suggesting that we draft Mac, but in Zach's defense on the 40-yard dash, Danny T ran a 4.82 at the combine, and he still worked in Fangio's defense. But he was the he oh was the opposite guy. Oh my goodness! And because you're gonna have to have one guy this. that's a little bit slower. An excuse for this. I'm just saying, you can you can play Todd Davis and Devin White. Who was uh, who was Fangio's inside linebacker before Roquan, along with Danny? Because Danny was the speed guy. You've never looked at Danny and thought he's a slow guy no, in the yeah, defense. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, Danny T is definitely not a you know a a, a linebacker without range. Hey, as long as you, as long as you get four nine eight Terrell Hanks in here, Ryan's good. Maryland wins. Ah, hate to see it. Uh, yeah, I, get out of here with the Terrell <laughs> Hanks garbage. All right, he goes. I truly think we're going to trade out of ten to possibly fifteen with Washington as they desperately need a quarterback. And then we take a tackle. Really quick, how funny is it to think if Washington trades makes two trades with the Broncos to go after their quarterbacks after what the Broncos had at quarterback last year? Now yeah. I know it's a draft pick, a little different, but still very bizarre. It would be weird. I don't. Th I think they're going to start Case Keenum for 16 games this year. Are they going for Tua, or are they going for Alex Smith? Maybe both. Like they're maybe they're thinking, okay, if Alex comes back, we're good. Otherwise, we'll have a really high draft pick. Yeah. Poor Alex Smith goes from being, you know, the, the afterthought to Patrick Mahomes. And uh, what was it? The Dolphins got Ryan Fitzpatrick with the plan of Tua for next year. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a chance that Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke fall past 15? I mean, we just kind of outlined a scenario right there where the Dolphins say, nope, we're getting our guy later. They both fall. Giants. The, the Giants do that as well. The Jags have their guy. And then at 15, Washington says, no, we're, we're also in for Tua. Man, oh, that'd after, be wild. that would be the craziest revert to the cycle, right? Because you <laughs> yeah. start here over on the left where you're at, this quarterback class sucks. We spend the whole entire draft season going all the way to this quarterback class is actually good, <laughs> only to go all the way back to the beginning where this quarterback sucks, class then, actually sucks. And then also bring a full circle with Kyler going from, what, a, a lot of people thought a third-round pick to the number one overall pick. Anyone who thought that wasn't, <laughs> never watched him play. Um, anyways, oh, sounds like Mac Wilson. Anyways, what? He's, <laughs> he's, I, I mean, I, how many Alabama games did I watch this year? Probably... Probably one or Six. two. Six. Oh, okay, okay. I watched when they played Drew Locke. I watched both of their playoff games. I watched um, the Auburn game. You didn't see number 30 with all those picks? Six picks? Look, he's a good player. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not a good player. You said he's Todd Davis and Josie Jewell. And no offense to those guys, but Vic Fangio said we need multiple guys in this room to make he's it He's a good player at Alabama. <laughs> When he comes to the NFL, he's going to be a solid linebacker. Huh. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so he's, he goes on and says, 
after the trade, he wants to take a tackle. Elway said Bowles is on the left, but never said he was going to be starting for the team. <laughs> if we draft Risner, Reisner, what do you go with? Risner, Reisner. I don't know. I do both. I'm going to stick with Risner. And I'll stick I'm with Reisner. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's we, rising up the board. Right, right. If we draft Reisner, this would definitely bolster the line. I was still skeptical about where Denver was heading this year until the Callahan signing. That was the turning point that got me excited for this year, as our defense looks nastier than it has in recent years. Drafting Reisner, White, or a quarterback would be nice. But when you brought up the Ed Oliver possibilities, it gave me the same excitement as when we signed Callahan. Now for my question. Have you guys considered doing a Facebook Live video when you host your podcast? I'd be stoked to watch you guys do the podcast in real time. Also, Reese's Cup cereal is the best, but like Captain Crunch... You need to eat it quickly enough so it doesn't turn into soup. That's when you do the two bowls. I don't know why Ryan's doing two bowls. I'm doing one bowl and just refilling it, but that those are the cereals where you need to do that. The two-bowl method has been slept on for hundreds of years. <laughs> Back to when bowls were invented. Yeah. Some, some, whoever created them should have just made another one. Is that the key for the Broncos' offensive line is they just need another bowl? No, less <laughs> bowls. Oh, wow. Um... Uh, Aaron over here is showing me an invention that is definitely being slept on. Wow. It is a bowl that has a divider in the middle. You put the cereal on one side, the milk on the other side, scoop the cereal, dip it into the milk, and eat it. But does it, doesn't most cereal need a little bit of soak time, though? Just anything but seven minutes. <laughs> I'd say most cereal needs at least a seven-second soak. Yeah, but you could just hold it in there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, I was eating cereal the past one and a half hours. Like, what, did you finish a whole box? I had to box? submerge it like, flake no, by just, flake. Just one bowl. <laughs> uh, as for the Facebook Live, we've done it a couple times. Um, we've done it on some of our remotes. It's a good thing we didn't try to do it today because you're only picking up the microphone off the phone, um, and you would not be able to hear us in this bar. But it's something that we're actually working on um, just – a little like insight into you know something we're working on at BSN Denver, which is just more live things um, that you can tune into. Whether that's podcasts, whether it's you know um, talk shows or whatever it may be, we're definitely working on doing more live videos using social media as a platform. Yeah, absolutely. Just to bring it closer to you guys. Next one coming in from Hacksack says, "Hey gang, just got to let you know, Sydney, Australia's water is not as good as Colorado water." My wife is a Colorado native and always complains about the water here. I love the smokescreen of the quarterbacks meeting with the Broncos. I'm sure they're going to trade back, and they're just increasing the value of their pick. Also, from a couple pods back, that guy in Sydney with a lawn is a huge flex. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had a lawn. I've never had a lawn to myself, so I feel that. In Boulder? I mean, my my parents have a lawn. Okay. I appreciate you not claiming that as yours. Yeah. I'm 27 now, dude. I'm old. I'm going to be my own man. I was just, you, I, I felt bad. You're like, I've never had a lawn. Yeah, I grew up you in never the had streets. A, never had a childhood. <laughs> um, all right, from Bleed Orange Blue. Ryan, have you ever had coconut shrimp? Bomb. I could eat that for a whole meal. They taste so good. Yeah, coconut shrimp are good. As yeah, far as the coconut. Yeah, you didn't really sell me on that. As far as coconut goes, coconut shrimp is one of the better uses. But still not a good use. No, it's good. Uh, no, I mean, it's I'd, good. I'd rather have coconut shrimp <laughs> than shrimp cocktail. Okay. It's also, like, fried. Right. That helps with yeah. a lot of things, right? You think you could eat fried coconut? 
Maybe that's the thing. What other coconut? Like what? You like coconut, right? I like coconut. Coconut what, water. What man. things Woo. do you eat? Co- coconut rice is another great use of coconut. Coconut rice. You're so uncultured. I don't think I've ever heard of it. <laughs> it's just it's rice with coconut flakes, some coconut milk when you make it, so it just has a sweetness to it. So I've never had coconut rice, and I'm uncultured, and you don't like coconut, and that's just fine. <laughs> well, yeah, because I've tried it all. <laughs> I would try it. I've just never heard of it. Cause you, you I would try everything <laughs> except a seven-minute soak, Ryan. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, he goes on. Waffle crisp is the name of the mini waffle cereal. Isn't that what I said? Or did I say I waffle think, crunch? No. I think that was your, I think you got it. T- uh, t- today, I really enjoy Raisin Bran Crunch. Mm. Adding the granola bits makes that cereal. Adding the granola bits. So it's Raisin Bran with crunch. Wow. Why Are you a raisin guy in your cereal? You know what? <laughs> I think that... Oh, I think... Sorry, John Moran's just going off over here. Uh, I think that the raisins in Raisin Bran are better than raisins in real life. I can, I can get behind that. <laughs> I can get behind that. Give me a box of Raisin Bran raisins, and I'll snack on that. I, they're probably coated in sugar or something? <laughs> I don't know. And they're hard. Yeah. They're much because, harder than regular. Because they need a little soak. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you got to prepare them for the soak. I never thought of that. Uh, anyways, prepare you... them for the soak. Right, because if you just no, a... you're right. It just sounds funny. Do they sink? No, because then at the end, I think you would know that'd be like gross. I feel like a regular raisin would sink right to the bottom. So what do they do to these things? Wow. We have look at this grape nuts and raisin bran. Raisin bran should really be called grape nuts because it takes a dried grape <laughs> exactly. and makes it as hard as a nut. <laughs> what if grape nuts was act- actually had real grapes in it? No. Yeah, that'd be gross. I'd be, I have to be in a very specific mood to like want grapes. I don't dislike grapes, but I never think like, hmm, you could go for a good bushel of grapes right now. Have you ever had cotton candy grapes? Are they real grapes? They're real grapes. They're, they're just real sweet? grapes. Yeah, they're extra sweet. They honestly taste like cotton candy. Sounds kind of gross. All, all natural cotton candy, and you're calling that gross? Wow, we're just we're just in an, an argumentative mood today, aren't we, Ryan? Yeah, we, I guess we are. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just the, the 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 atmosphere here. There's so much energy in here, fired up. Uh, by the way, Aaron just showed us that. Uh, Justin Houston is going to Indianapolis. He is. Two years, $24 million. So he got paid. a good paycheck for him. For this late in free agency. Yeah. Still don't know how the Chiefs plan to get to the passer next year. Or, yeah, they just plan on having a passer. That's it. Hey, if you can outscore him, go for it. Yeah. All right. Um, he goes on and says, I don't like the idea of Haskins at 10. When there was a QB from Ohio State, when was there a QB from Ohio State that made a career being more than a backup? I don't like picking players at positions from schools where there is a history of failure in the NFL, i.e. running backs from Alabama or quarterbacks from Ohio State. Here's the thing is you will pass up on good players if you have that approach. And there's no doubt the Broncos have passed up on, on good players because they don't draft players from Alabama. Now, on one hand, maybe it's, it's, it's turned out to be uh, the better in the end. But still, if you're going to have that approach, especially a historical approach like that, you're, you're going to fail once or twice. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of what Vic Fangio said about uh, boxing players because of their size. Right. He says, you know, you can have that take, but a lot of good players are going to pass you by. And the thing is, you, you can put that into your equation. I'm fine with that. But if there's a transcendent player, let's say you don't like quarterbacks from Clemson and Trevor Lawrence is there and you have the number one pick, you can't just say no to that. Right. I also don't like the opposite of saying, like, well, you know, quarterbacks from this school have done great historically, right. so we'll overdraft this guy because, you know, right. he can be the next one. Like at uh, Stanford. We really love Stanford quarterbacks because of Andrew Luck, so we're going to go get Kevin Hogan. And John Elway. <laughs> um, anyways, he goes on and says, don't the Broncos still have a major question mark at safety? Cravens looks like he's going to be shipped out or play as a backup again. Anyone in the draft that looked promising? With safety, yeah, you could absolutely upgrade that. In terms of the needs, that could be big enough for a first-round pick. I just don't know if there's a guy there that's that's worth it for you. Um, but then you could also make the case that Justin Simmons had a down year. He's going to rebound and be that rising star that you hoped he was last year uh, with Vic Fangio. And Will Parks was certainly on the ups last year. So you can make a case that you have both safeties of the future. You can also make a case that after this year, you're, you're going to find out you have no no safeties of the future. Let me just ask you this, Zach. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the duo of Justin Simmons and Will Parks? This year or for the future? Uh, this year and beyond. Five. Okay. Wait, so, it's so wait you, and see for me. You would probably be in the, it's, a, it's something you should probably upgrade category. Or it's something you should take a long look at. It's something you can upgrade. They, they could have upgraded. Um, by you know signing Earl Thomas, that that would have been extreme for a five. For me, it's it's a get through this year because it's solid enough. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the same thing. If you told me they were gonna sign a big free agent, an Adrian Amos, I would say definitely go do that because that's an upgrade. I don't think you're gonna get better in the draft this year at that position with the pick. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Will Parks. Um, obviously, Justin had a down year last year, and that was really frustrating because we thought he was going to go the other way. Maybe this is the year he goes the other way, and, and Will Parks just continues his rise because Will Parks, if nothing else, has the mindset you need to be great in the NFL. And because of that, I think I lean a little bit further into his corner. Um, he's going to continue getting better because he cares a lot about getting better, and Justin Simmons is the same way. So... I don't think you get better this year in the draft by getting a guy in the second or third round. Also, don't forget about Kareem Jackson. He can play safety. He will play some safety this year. Let's say one of those guys struggles big time. Well, you sign Bryce Callahan, so you have that flexibility. Is that what you want your plan to be? No, but you can do that. Don't forget about um, Trey Marshall as well as uh, Jamal Carter. Jamal Carter... I mean, let's say you draft a Mac Wilson and you need some help on third down. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Jamal Carter could come in there and play linebacker on third downs for you. Uh, baby Monster? Baby Monster. Baby Monster. There we go. <laughs> Next one coming in from Tom Mercury. He says, as a sports fan, I do love to watch as many games of as many sports as I can. Recently, I have found that I enjoy the storylines as much as as much or more as I enjoy watching the games. To me, it's like a never-ending TV show with drama, action, climax, and all of the calling cards of a good story. The narratives are, are the real joy of following sports. Do you guys love the games as much as the story, the story as much as the game, or are they both equally important to fan experience for you? 
I think from a writer's perspective and, and even from a podcaster's perspective or whatever it may be in journalism, you are in love with the story. Um, the story is what, what I see when I'm watching the game. I see, you know, um, the, the underdog who's emerging and helping the team to win the game. Like, that's what my eyes are seeing. That's what I'm focusing on throughout the game. Remember the, the story I wrote about Demarius Thomas during that Giants game when the Broncos lost embarrassingly in embarrassing fashion. Like, the whole game my eyes were following Demarius Thomas because I saw the story developing. So, for me, it's all about the stories. The March Madness, March Madness is amazing because of the stories. It's what makes it memorable. This morning... Like, last year, my girlfriend was not in on as much as I wanted to watch March Madness. This morning, she was like, oh, remember last year when there was that nun from that little school and they made it all the way? Like, that's how she remembered it. That's what makes sports special. Like, watching the games is entertaining as hell, but what makes it special is the stories. Man, in the offseason, people say, what do you want to happen this offseason? And I just say the stories. What, whatever the stories is, and, and you know what? The Broncos are really good at keeping in the spotlight with their storylines. Not an accident, I'll tell you that. Um, so yeah, the stories, the stories is what makes it makes you feel connected to it, which is what we try to show you guys is the story, so you feel more connected to this community and the Broncos. All right, next one's from Nicholas Manning. Question: I may have missed it, but is there going to be a team of BSN peeps in Nashville for the draft? If so, are there going to be any gatherings during? or after any of the days. I'm traveling with a group of Denver fans and would love to connect. There's no boots on the ground. I volunteer to be temporary correspondent of the squad. <laughs> you know, the draft is really fun from a fan's perspective, I've heard. But in terms of a media perspective, everything is going on at the Broncos headquarters, and that's where Ryan and I will be for, what, 72 straight hours pretty much? That Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Everything's there. The Broncos are there. Uh, maybe their first-round pick will be at the draft, but then immediately after, he's flown that night to Denver to be introduced to us that next day. Yeah, I wish. I mean, I, I just want to go to Nashville, but uh, it's, not, it's not a media event. It's a fan event, and that's great. So I hope you have an awesome time. Yeah, it sounds like a blast, though. And if other BSNers are going down there, get with Nicholas Manning. Send us a picture of all of you wearing your BSN T-shirts. Ah, yes. All right, from Sil Forge, he says, Ryan, if you're going to try coconut water, you need to try harmless coconut water. Zach, are you familiar? Not, not at all. He says, it's pink and very expensive, but it's absolutely delicious, <laughs> and you'll seriously consider dropping the $10 every time you see it. The pink color comes from antioxidants, so don't freak out. Yeah, well, I'm going I'm to tell you the truth. I bought my coconut water this past weekend on sale for a dollar, so a dollar compared to 10 that's pretty hefty. Did you go with the Vita Coco? I don't even know. It's like a little... It's like a, a cardboard yeah. style. I think that's what all coconut water is for some reason. When I was at the Super Bowl, you'll be disappointed. When I was at the oh, Super Bowl, passed up on it. they were making, they were literally, it was really distracting. I couldn't believe they did this in the <laughs> media room. They were taking real coconuts, chopping them open with a machete, and giving them to people to drink no the way. coconut water. And you said no? And I said no. Wow, Brian. But like, why would you come into a place where people are working? And just be hammering away at coconuts with a machete. Did they have fun straws with an umbrella on top? Yep. And you said and no. And Dan Marino was handing them out. <laughs> and I said, no thanks, Dan. He said, I'm too good for that. Dan Marino's a great salesman for coconut water with, like, the fake tan, <laughs> Hawaiian shirt. The smile. Yep. Anyways, he goes on to say, on cereal, I have to throw Quaker oatmeal squares 
They were my favorite even as a kid with access to Fruit Loops, Captain Crunch. They're crunchy, they're filling, and they taste amazing. Wow. Let me guess, you haven't had them. Oh, come on. I've had I've had Quaker oatmeal squares, Ryan. All right. <laughs> that does seem like something that might make it into the Stevens household. <laughs> You're right. On football, he says, is Philip Lindsay going to be able to adapt to the zone blocking scheme? Has he ever run behind a zone blocking line? Do you foresee him having a better or worse statistical year compared to his rookie year? I'll answer the first question for Ryan. I, I think Ryan doesn't believe Phil is going to be able to adopt. <laughs> yeah. You know me, always doubting Phil. <laughs> What I was literally going to say is Phil Lindsay can do anything. Um, speed is great in the zone blocking scheme, and, and obviously that's what Phil has. He has vision, too. Vision is your most important thing, right, because you're flowing with the line one way. You've got to see the lane and go. And Phil has the go part down. He's going to have to figure out the patience and the, and the you know, vision. I know he has, he's always had great vision. So if he, if he can figure out, you know, not just – turning on the, the burners from the second he gets the ball, then he's going to be fine. Man, if he gets hidden behind the offensive line and then explodes through the hole, that's that's fun to think about. Yeah, think um, who are some of the smaller running backs that ran in that scheme. I think Olandis Gary was on the smaller side. Uh, was, he? was he? I don't know. Or I'm, convin I'm, I'm confusing him with um, what was the dude from Oklahoma? Quentin, Quentin something or other? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll look it up. Anyways, Phil's going to be fine. Yeah. And it, what what was he running at CU? Quentin Griffin? Ah, there you go. Small guy. Yeah, small guy from uh, Oklahoma with speed. He wasn't, I mean, he ended up not being anything special, but it can work with smaller running backs with speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned about Phil at all. Do you see him having a better statistical year than last year? Oh, man, it's hard to predict him having a better season than a 1,000-yard rookie season. But if the offensive line is better and the quarterback is better and all of those things add up, you have to say he has a better season, right? I think they're really going to try to incorporate Royce more. And so I think as a group they're going to have a better season. But individually, right now, I just say no. A lot of his numbers, and this isn't a bad thing, but when you're comparing season to season, his numbers were racked up on big runs. You know, he had three or four 60-yard runs or 45-yard runs that really pad stats. It's just not something you can predict. Right. It'll happen for guys like him, but can you project that, you know, he's going to have six to ten big, long runs? You know, he had a 75-yard touchdown run. Man, that's what he brings is that explosive power. It's crazy because uh, Elrod's sitting here with us, and he, and he can vouch for this. Phil Lindsay did not break long touchdowns when he was at CU. He had one, yeah, he had one long one that I can really even remember against ASU. He was always the guy who we would say, like, man, if he could just if he could just get past that last level of defense, he would just rack up yards. Sounds like Elrod can compete with you for CU football knowledge. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's as locked in <laughs> as anyone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Phil was not like that. So you have to give a lot of credit to Lauren Landau. He, he got to the NFL. Not only did he get faster just personally – he looked faster on the field with faster guys all around him. That's really impressive. It is impressive. Next one coming in from JMAD59. He says, hey, guys, haven't commented in a while, but I'm loving the content. I have an odd obsession with jersey numbers and was wondering if you guys have heard any updates about the new Broncos numbers. I saw Flacco got his five. Saw on Twitter Kareem Jackson put out a picture with 21 because Cravens is still on the roster. 
haven't heard anything about James, and Callahan's college number was 29, is now open with Roby gone. Do you guys think he switches or rocks with 37? For some reason, I kind of dig the unique 37. Some or all of these may be answered by the time the pod comes out, but I appreciate it anyways. Keep up the great work, guys. Um, I hope he goes back to 29 for Callahan. I just think that's a, a better number. Way better number. Um, as for Kareem Jackson, if he ends up with 21, just start taking Sue Cravens off your, your <laughs> 53-man if you haven't already because that's an ultimate disrespect, and I don't think Sue Cravens would give it up. That it means be, the Broncos took it from him. And the Broncos would take it from him if that's the number he wants. Yeah, especially if it was one of those things where when they talked to him in free agency, he said, I, you know, I, I want to make sure I get my number. Because players who actually do care about their number will say something like that. The teams will always say yes unless it's you know Chris Harris Jr. or Von Miller. You're not taking their number. How much would you care about your number? A lot. And what number would that be? Well, it depends on what position I was playing in the NFL. Well, my number through all of sports when I was a kid was 11. 11? I was 22. I'm number one twice. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> From drop switch, the last one here, uh, and, and just to answer your question more uh, directly, we don't know yet. We don't know. I, don't think, I really don't think Kareem will end up being 21. If he does, I'm going to have a laugh about it. From drop switch, hey, guys, what are the chances Denver drafts Gardner Minshew day three? Really happy we have a reliable secondary. This should open the door for more sacks. How many linemen could Dancer draft? Elway? I don't know. I hope they use at least three picks. Uh, for food, Unbien in Seattle is a bomb Caribbean sandwich joint. Go Cougs, go Broncos. I bet the meat there is probably pretty good. I bet so, too. Um, so, chances Denver drafts Gardner Minshew day three. Really tough to put chances on the these guys. I do think uh, they'll come out of the draft with a guy, probably a day three guy. So, I mean, and, and he's a guy in that conversation. I talked to him at the at uh, the Senior Bowl, really liked him. Boy, he's a he's a shorter guy, though. See a guy that's going to be able to play in John Elway's system? Probably not. So it's probably not him. Yeah, it's too short. Too short. Unfortunately, I liked him in terms of those, those later round guys, but... I'm zeroing in on, you know, Tyree Jackson. And why uh, is that? Jared Stidham. <laughs> uh, you know, the bigger, more prototypical-looking players. Height. They're tall. Height is important. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, we really enjoyed coming to you from the sports column. If you're not doing anything and you're hearing this podcast and you want to find out a place to go watch these games, a really great atmosphere in here. And like I said, the specials starting at 10 o'clock are insane. So thanks to them for the food and for the hospitality. Thanks to you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next week on the BSN Broncos podcast.
Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.